0: Children may be dismissed at Junior Church, and I just want to thank Blaine for that uh, wonderful skit. Not encouraging skit yet, but wonderful skit to lead us into the message. And as you might know, the message today is coping with depression. A number of weeks ago, I asked you to turn in ideas of things that I could preach on of difficult trials that we go through. And today we come to coping with depression. Last week was coping with discouragement. And there's some overlap uh, between depression and discouragement. And I invite you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, because here in just a moment we're going to look at a depressed prophet. Oftentimes we don't think people in the Bible alone Amazing prophets went through hurts, habits, and hang ups. Oftentimes we don't think people in the Bible went through depression and anxiety, and they most certainly did. First Kings nineteen, we're gonna look at a case in which mighty Elijah went through depression. I intend today to talk about you, this is my theme, not talk about you, that too. I intend to talk to you about how to cope with depression and to give an example of a depressed prophet. I intend to talk to you about how to cope with depression and give an example of a depressed prophet. Now, disclaimer, this message, these messages are not to take the place of your mental health professionals or your medical doctors. thought I should say that so that I could sound like a commercial. But uh, seriously, you know, I had people submit different ideas, coping with discouragement, coping with depression, um, boundaries. I was working on the sermon for November 13th. When do we establish boundaries and how do we do that? And, and, and what keeps running through my mind is some of these topical messages are difficult to put boundaries around. We could go on eight weeks, a message series about depression or about boundaries or about anxiety or about discouragement or about many, many other subjects such as these. That's why I like preaching expository going verse by verse through a passage of the Bible because it's easier, I find it easier to really study that passage and find out how to outline it or how the Bible passage outlines itself. And and we're going to do that with 1 Kings 19 here in just a moment. But I can only scratch the surface of depression. And so I encourage you if during this message, if the message, the things I share... Prompt you that you need to get some help, don't be afraid to talk to me, I'm free. Not my time. My time's free of charge. I mean, I take you can pay the church if you want. I'm just kidding. But (laughs) I'm free. Or talk to your mental health, uh talk to a counselor, you know, they're not free. Um, I'll just tell you that or your doctor, you know, and seek help. Don't be afraid to get help. Don't be afraid to talk to your doctor or your counselors and get help. This sermon, you know, can just barely scratch the surface. And many ways you need to give yourself permission to talk to a counselor, talk to your doctors, and get help. Oftentimes we're in denial. And maybe this would help you to encourage yourself to get help. Depression, 35 million Americans, more than 16%. Of the population suffer from depression. The depression is serious enough to warrant treatment at some time in their lives. In one given period, 13 to 14 million people experience the disorder. Now, those stats come from uh, pre-COVID-19, and we know that in the last few years, the numbers of depression have gone way, way, way up. The numbers of anxiety have gone You know, astronomically up. Um, In fact, those numbers come from a book on pastoral counseling that's been updated a number of times, but they're probably about 10 years old. Depression can have a variety of meanings because there are different types of depression. Clinical depression as a disorder is not the same as brief mood fluctuations or the feelings of sadness, disappointment, and frustration that everyone experiences from time to time in the last from minutes to a few days at most. My brief periods of sadness usually come about about the time when my team's football game ends uh, with disappointment and sadness and loss, right? Clinical depression is a more serious condition that lasts weeks to months and sometimes even years. Misdiagnosis of depression is common. It can often be misdiagnosed as anxiety which is a common effect in many types of depression, or other mood disorders. Accurate assessment is the first step to proper, proper treatment. Notice that, I'm gonna repeat that. Accurate assessment is the first step to proper treatment. Depression differs from sadness, which is a God-given reaction to loss that serves to slow people down so they can process grief. Sadness is, is normal after, after a loss. When one is Sad, self-respect still remains intact. Intrinsic hope is maintained. One source read, relief comes after crying and receiving support. I might say relief can come after crying and receiving support. We're not a very emotional, emotive uh, culture. And many times we do not give ourselves permission to go through grief and go through tears and go through processes that historically they just naturally had. It was built into the fabric of culture which help with this. We don't experience times of silence. We do not give ourselves those types of things that can help with those brief periods of sadness. Clinical major depression is distinct in, in that symptoms are so severe that they disrupt one's daily routine. They disrupt one's daily routine. Dysthmic disorder is a chronic low-grade depression, dysthmic disorder. Bipolar disorder, previously known as manic depression, is a type of mood disorder with severe changes in effect. A person may have periods of euphoric elatedness contrast with periods of severe major depression. And, and, And just to add with that, there are different types of bipolar disorder. So again, this is not a comprehensive study of any of these things. Seasonal affective disorder called SAD is a severe onset of winter blues when one experiences depression, most often believed to be due to lack of sunlight or vitamin D. Dr. Gary Collins writes for more than 3,000 years, depression has been recognized as a common problem. It is a worldwide phenomenon that affects individuals of all ages, including infants in the United States alone. An estimated 17 million people suffer from clinical depression. One website suggests that depression has an impact on nearly everybody if we consider both the depressed people and their family members, friends, work colleagues, and others. Did you notice that? Many of you at the beginning of this message might be thinking this message has nothing to do with me tuning out but realize depression affects everybody when you realize one's co-workers colleagues family members friends and do we want to be people that are available to support to encourage to lift up the hands of others I'm going to come back to that, but that was kind of my point of the altar call uh, last Sunday. Do we want to be people that want to make make a statement? I want to be there to encourage other people. I want to get up in the morning and encourage others. I want to tell them not what's wrong, but what's right. Depression affects everyone. Depression disrupts lives, interferes with normal functioning, often causes problems at work, reduces efficiency, hinders spiritual growth, and can destroy family and social life. It has a major impact on the economy as billions of dollars are lost annually because of depression in the workforce. Some of the history's greatest military leaders, statesmen, musicians, scientists, and theologians have been its victims, including one of my favorite, Winston Churchill— Love Winston Churchill. George Frederick Handel, he was a pretty cool guy too, wrote The Messiah. Edgar Allan Poe, Napoleon Bonaparte, Vincent van Gogh, and the Prince of Preachers of the 1800s, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Always wrote about his melancholy. Sometimes we think if we're going through depression, we're letting God down, we're not trusting God enough, and that is not true. We read volumes and volumes and volumes of Charles Hans Spurgeon's messages today. Winston Churchill was used by God, I believe, in profound ways. And how many of us have not been ministered to by the music of George Frederick Handel? Depression is no respecter of persons. It is known as a common cold of mental disorders. On Occasionally, probably all of us experience depression, sometimes when we least expect it. And I think that's something that's going to happen in the Bible passage we're going to look at in 1 Kings chapter 19. Who would expect Elijah to experience depression at this time when we're going to look at it? Not at this time right now when we're going to look at it, but at the time in 1 Kings when it took place. In its milder forms, depression may come as a passing period of sadness that follows a loss or personal disappointment. More severe depression overwhelms its victims with feelings of despair, fear, exhaustion, immobilizing apathy, hopelessness, inner desperation, and thoughts of suicide. As I was thinking about this message the other day, I thought, I wanted to give some more bullet points for you to consider about depression. Depression has certain thinking patterns, worthlessness, excessive self-criticism, guilt, poor memory, poor concentration, poor decision-making, thoughts of death or suicide. Depression has behavioral patterns as slowing, agitation of physical movement, withdrawal from social contacts. Difficulty doing work. Do you know to realize if you're sad, oftentimes we don't want to be around people. But I think oftentimes that's from the enemy because we need to be around people. We need each other. We need the encouragement of each other. My last church, we did a local mission trip, a mission trip in the city of Lyons. People took off work for a week. We did work on houses and it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. A hundred or so people would help each year from 10 different churches. There's a guy, I was from my church and I was uh, counseling him and, and he was there. He was very handy, very, very good, but he was going through depression. And he was there and he didn't look good because he was going through a really intense depression and you could tell in his, in his demeanor and everything, so... Someone else is going to send him home. And I said, no, you shouldn't go home. You need to be here. You need to be in the sunlight doing things. You need to be with people. He did go home. Later, he saw his counselor, his psychiatrist, and he said, you know what? They said you were right. I needed to be out there. I need to be with the people. I need to be doing things. I need to have purpose. Sometimes depression causes us to withdraw from social contact, uh, contacts. Depression can cause, can cause, these are all probably a sliding scale, difficulties doing work, self-harm, deterioration of personal appearance. can cause increased conflict and anger in relationships, including withdrawal, even violence. Increased use of alcohol or mood-altering substances. Increased physical and, 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 and other body-related complaints. Problems with Motivation. You know, you can't motivate yourself to do the things you like to do. You can't motivate yourself to work on hobbies and things like that. I found this advice from Martin Luther to the depressed person. Martin Luther, the reformer. um, Cease relying on and pursuing your own thoughts. Listen to other people who are not subjects to this temptation, this subject. Give the closest attention to what we say and let our words penetrate to your heart. Thus, God will strengthen and comfort you by means of our words. We're going to look at a depressed prophet here and so if you have not turned i encourage you to turn to page 280 and 81 in the pew bible or first kings chapter 19 in your bible here first uh, kings 19 verses 9 through 14 and i just kind of gave those bullet points to encourage you if you're experiencing those types of things there's no Shame, no shame at all in talking to a counselor. You could start with me or skip over me and go right to a counselor. Talking to Christian friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, oftentimes because there's a stigma about it and there shouldn't be a stigma. We don't do anything or we don't do anything until it gets very, very, very advanced. Sometimes definitely there are physiological symptoms and physiological causes. That's why you need to see your doctor. Definitely see your doctor. But I believe we're also spiritual and the spiritual will affect the physical and the physical will affect the spirit, uh, affect the spiritual. And that's why we need to go deeper in the word of God. Go deeper in spiritual disciplines. Go deeper with your church family. Any counseling that does not focus on spiritual disciplines is missing something of profound significance. So look at 1 Kings 19, 9 to 14. This Elijah, the prophet, I'm gonna put it in context after we read this. So let me read it then we'll put it in context. There he, that's Elijah, came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they, they seek my life to take it away. Notice what Elijah said. He's focusing on himself. And he's focusing on the negative, which is not all true. We'll come back to that with the Lord's response. He said, I, uh, I only am left and they seek my life to take it. And they seek my life to take it away. They want to kill me. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not, was not in the wind. Mighty wind, so strong as breaking rock, but the Lord was not in the wind. Okay, moving on. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. So the Lord is asking him now, interacting with him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah is responding. He's repeating. This is repeated from earlier. Elijah says, I've been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've forgotten your covenant. They don't care. The people of Israel have thrown down your altars, God's altars. The people of Israel have killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. He thinks he's the only prophet left. He says, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. So the Lord's giving him some instructions. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abba Mahola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet, the Lord says, I will leave 7,000. 7000 in Israel all the knees that have not bowed to Baal Baal was a false god in every mouth that has not kissed him in the background of this passage in the previous chapter 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 21 is one of my favorite favorite most favorite stories in the bible true stories Elijah got together with, the, with all these Israelites who were following the false prophet Baal. They go on this mount, Mount Carmel. And these Israelites wanted to follow God and Baal. They wanted to sync them together, synchronize those, follow God and Baal. And you can't do that. You can't do that today either, by the way. You can't follow God and these other religions or these other idols. Put God on the throne and no other. And Elijah told them choose a side. Elijah said, if the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. However, the people wouldn't listen to Elijah. So Elijah had this idea. There were 450 prophets of Baal. 450 spokespeople for Baal. Prophets of Baal. And only Elijah standing for the Lord. One man, verses 450, in a very violent time. It'd be difficult on me, I have to say. Elijah was a very bold person. And take note of that when we see his depression one chapter later. One chapter and some 40, 50 days after this, he's having severe depression. Elijah goes against these 450 prophets. He says, choose a side. Elijah told them to set up a sacrifice for their god Baal and wait for Baal to consume it with fire. They're on this mountain. By the way, there's been no rain, which makes this even more startling because they had to use water for this sacrifice and uh, a prophecy that Elijah had given. There'd be no rain because of the way the Israelites were behaving. And, and he says, set up that sacrifice, set it up. See if Baal consumes it. Do you think Baal consumed it? No. They waited and they waited and they waited for hours upon hours. And Baal did not consume the sacrifice. Elijah started to get a little bit sarcastic, you know, godly sarcasm. He said maybe he's gone aside, which means maybe Baal's in the bathroom. Maybe Baal's, you know, in the restroom. Where's he at? Where's your mighty God, Baal? You got 450 prophets right here. Why isn't he coming down and consuming the sacrifice? Baal's time ended, and Elijah set up the sacrifice for the Lord got the altar ready and fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And then there was another prophecy after that with rain and the fulfillment of rain coming and fulfillment of prophecy. This is a mighty, mighty thing. Elijah was used of God and then all the, you know, the people started believing the Lord, but the 450 prophets of Baal, Elijah had killed for their um, evil, you know, idolatry. After this, major, major event, the beginning of chapter 19, 1 Kings 19, the evil queen Jezebel finds out, she finds out about this, and she sends a message to Elijah that she wants to kill him. Now, Elijah is now running for his life, but on the outside looking in, just kind of looking at this, just kind of looking at this now some 2,800 years after this, because this was probably around 800 B.C., Looking at this 2,800 years after the fact, uh, totally, uh, totally objectively, it's easy to think why is Elijah running for his life? He just saw the Lord send fire down from heaven and consume sacrifices. Elijah's scared. I mean, it seems like he's afraid Jezebel is going to kill him like she had killed the other prophets. So Elijah's running, and the Lord provided food. Now he ends up on Mount Horeb in a cave. And Elijah is lodging in his cave. He might have been lodging there because he didn't think Jezebel would find him there. Again, after everything he's been through and the way the Lord you know, intervened to show that he is God and there's no other, he is depressed. The cave is also on Mount Horeb, which is in the mountains of Sinai. Mount Sinai is where Moses had seen the burning bush. There was also an incident where Moses hid in a cave while God in all his glory passed before him. That's around Exodus 34. God in all his glory passed before Moses in a cave in these same mountains. In these same mountains. And now once again in the same mountainous area, the Lord is going to show his presence to Elijah. God asked Elijah what he's doing there. Guess what? This is one of the few times that Elijah went somewhere without the Lord telling him to go there. God had done amazing miracles through Elijah. And this is one of the few times that Elijah had done something without the Lord telling him to do it. Elijah gives a response that focuses all on the negative. They have killed your prophets. He says, I... I am the only prophet that is left, and they want to kill me too. Elijah says nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing about what happened previously on Mount Carmel. Elijah does not reflect back on the amazing, awesome God time on Mount Carmel. Depression seems to follow something awesome that happens. Now, that's generally more temporary depression as opposed to long-term. But notice, depression can make us focus on the down, on the negative. I I only, and the prophet, I'm the only prophet that's left, Elijah said. God responds to him later on. Elijah goes outside the cave and a strong wind passes by, a wind so strong that rocks are breaking, but God was not in the wind. Then an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. Then fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Finally, there is the sound of a gently blowing, and Elijah immediately knew that was the Lord. The Lord again asked Elijah what he was doing there, and Elijah gave a repeat answer from verse 10. Then beginning in verse 15, the Lord gives Elijah further instructions. Elijah might have wanted God to destroy the Israelites who were unfaithful to him. Elijah might have wanted the Lord to destroy them with fire or an earthquake or a violent wind. However, God chose to answer in a small, subtle way. And as part of the Lord's answer, he gives Elijah purpose. These are your next steps. This is what I want you to do. And the Lord also corrects his faulty thinking. Oftentimes, depression causes us to focus on what's wrong and not what's right. And oftentimes, we need to reorient ourselves to the truth. The truth of our life now and the truth of our eternal life, the truth of our hope in Jesus, is certainly sometimes the truth that we need to seek other help through a counselor, medical help, whatever it might be. God refocused Elijah on the truth. You're not the only prophet. I've got 7,000. There's 7,000 of you who have not bowed to Baal. Many times we want God to answer our prayers in some magnificent way but that's not how he always does it. But Elijah was also secluded in a cave. We are busy, busy, busy. We always have noise around us and we need to take some quiet time. Now I say that, and I know that just a bit ago, I said depression can make us want to isolate ourselves and that type of thing. And we need both. We need the body of Christ. We need community. And we also need daily quiet time. We need that tag time, that time alone with God, that journaling time, that, that time to meditate on a passage, that time to, to turn off the TV and the radio and, and hear from God. So here's some things to do. This is the exact, total, complete cure-all for depression. It's not. So it's start, exercise. There's a book titled, Rewire Your Brain. I totally recommend it. it, it even walking up the stairs can release certain neurotransmitters in the brain to lift us up a little bit. Do you know that, this is not in your notes, it's extra credit, a forced smile, even when you smile, it releases certain positive chemicals in the brain to uh, build us up. Research shows that 30 minutes of moderate daily exercise is very helpful in elevating mood. Find a partner to walk with. It makes it harder to avoid the activity if someone is waiting for you. That might even be your best friend, the dog. But uh, I used to have a dog, and Megan would come home from work, and the dog knew at that time we'd go jogging. So Megan would come home, and the dog would start jumping all around, getting excited. It was really cool. Have a medical checkup. Maybe there's other reasons leading to your depression. Have a medical checkup. If you've recently suffered a loss, give yourself permission to mourn. It's okay to mourn. That's a good thing. Journal, write out prayers. Remind yourself, and and I cannot emphasize journaling enough. Remind yourself that very few situations are really hopeless, and very few situations are that bad. Reason with yourself, think positive thoughts. Sometimes, some of what we're going through is because we had unrealistic expectations to begin with. We expected too much of someone, or too much of a certain job, or too much, or maybe too much too quick happens oftentimes. Use reason. Use that ability. I saw this great video by Jordan Peterson a few weeks ago. I could share it with any of you. It's about 10 minutes long. He's a psychologist, a uh, Canadian psychologist, and, and, and he, he talked about uh, people and how fascinating people are. Do you ever realize that people are fascinating? He says, if you're bored in conversation, you're doing it wrong. I love his, like, dry personality as he shares that. If you're bored in conversation, you're doing it wrong. He goes on to talk about active listening. Now, I've heard of active listening, but he gave it a different spin. He said, "Next time you're in an argument with your wife, with your spouse, with your kids, with coworker, with anyone, take next time you're in an argument with them, take their argument, what's their proposition, and restate it. That's basic active listening. Restate, restate. I am hearing you say this, this, this. But you take it to another level. Restate it better than they argued it." So you argue with your spouse or someone, should we go to Hawaii? I don't know, make something up. And you're saying, no, 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 we don't have the money. No, 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 whatever. And they're saying, yes, yes, yes. It's okay to go in credit card debt, whatever. And then you restate their argument better. It gains different respect, right? And I think that stuff can help with sometimes... Not, not clinical depression, but other forms of depression, because it, it regrounds our expectations, Realis, realistic expectations. We could do that with various other reasons that are bringing us down. Did I expect my football team to lose? I should have had realistic expectations of my football team, baseball team, whatever it might be. I'm just trying to make something up here. Reason with yourself. Journal, write out your prayers. Remind yourself. Of other things. Think positive thoughts. Stay active. Seek a counselor. Get support from friends. Meditate on God's word. I need to really emphasize get support from friends. Learn something new. Make sure that you are active in your relationship with God. We stay in tune with God through individual and corporate spiritual disciplines. Practice thanksgiving. Last few weeks, few months, I've gone through many different books Anxiety, Depression, Brain Science, one, your bo- The Body Keeps a Score, phenomenal book. Another one I've referenced here, Finding Quiet. We cannot talk highly enough of how important Thanksgiving is. We need Thanksgiving. Make a thankful list. Uh, it can help reorient, it can help redirect. Chuck Swindoll writes God often delivers his best gifts to us in unexpected ways, with surprises inside the wrappings. Through apparent contradictions. Sometimes like the therapy he used when Elijah was so low, so terribly disillusioned. How did the Lord minister to him? How did the Lord minister to Elijah? By an earthquake? In a whirlwind? Through a scorching fire? You would expect all the above since Elijah was such a passionate, hard-charging prophet. But no, that's not how the Lord ministered to him. The story from 1 Kings 19 makes it clear that Jehovah was not in the earthquake or the wind or the fire. Too obvious, too predictable. That's not the sovereign style. After all the hellabaloo died down, there came a gentle blowing. And shortly thereafter, ever so softly, a voice came to him in verses 12 through 13. With words of reassurance and affirmation. God did not say to Elijah, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. God did not say to Elijah, what's... What's a man of your stature doing in a crummy place like this? None of that. No blame. God did not give blame or shame. God did not give Elijah a sermon or name calling. God did not give Elijah a blistering rebuke. In contradiction to the popular idea of confrontation and surely surprising to Elijah himself, the Lord encouraged his friend to go on from there. The Lord encouraged Elijah to go on from there. He gave him a plan to follow, a promise to remember, and a, a traveling companion to help him. He gave him Elisha. He was to anoint Elisha, the prophet, the next prophet. God gave him a traveling companion. Another mysterious backdoor delivery. Another victim of despair rescued from the pit. No wonder the apostle Paul burst forth in praise of God's wisdom and knowledge by exclaiming how unsearchable are his judgments how unfathomable his ways in Romans 11.33. About the time that we think we've got the whole picture in finite focus, an infinite hand quickly grabs the camera, changes the lenses on us, points in another direction, and has us take an entirely different picture. Yet to our amazement, when everything is developed, we get the one thing we wanted all our lives through a process we never would have chosen. That's what God did with Elijah. He redirected him. He showed him a different picture, a different picture of the current uh, time and a different picture of the, of the, of the, of the future. There's an anonymous, anonymous poet's profound admission. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked for help that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. I am among all men most richly blessed. I want to pray here in a moment, but before I pray, I want to try something different. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says at the end, a quarter three strands is not easily broken. In other words, if one, one person can be taken down, but two or three are stronger together. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ, uh, like a body. There's many different scripture passages about praying for one another. Um, you know, 1 Corinthians five seventeen, pray without ceasing. Um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, about that. You know, um, there's many different scripture passages. James five thirteen is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs of praise. And James goes on to talk about even calling the elders of the church to pray for them. And I pray that Bethel Friends is a safe place for people going through discouragement, depression, hardship to get help and support. We want that, don't we? Amen? Amen. I'm not that convinced. We want that, don't we? Amen. We want to be a safe place for your brothers and sisters in Christ to come and call us up and say, hey, I'm low. It's a down day. It's not just because my football team lost. It's because of a real serious big deal. It's because of a job change. Or maybe it just doesn't even make sense why I'm down. I don't know why I'm down. I want it to be a safe place for you to talk with each other and you to get support. So what I'd like you to do right now is respond. And first, I would like you to respond by Standing. Thank you. <laughs> I just had you all stand. You are all part of this church family. Few of you might be visitors, though. I think most all of you have come here many Sundays. You're all part of this church family. You can look around. Actually, I encourage you, look around. This is a body of Christ. The church is called the Bride of Christ. We are the hope of the world. We are a place to go to for support. And the next way I want you to respond is we're gonna sing just a wonderful worship song to, to to close with, which is Your Grace Is Enough. This is about God's grace. But during that song, if you need support, if you need help, if you're going through discouragement or depression, or maybe it's not you. We, we said at the beginning of this message that depression affects everyone because we have coworkers, family, and friends, and neighbors who are going through it too. Maybe you want to pray for them. Come forward to the altars. And everybody standing right now, everybody that can, a few of you can't, and that's okay. I would ask. We always have a couple people come forward to pray with the others. But I'd ask for a couple more people to come forward and to pray with those in need. We want to be support. We want to be encouraging. And I pray that we would be that way. Lord God, I just pray that you would help us. It'd be wrong. It'd be flat out in denial for us to think that everyone gathered here is just perfect and happy, not dealing with any problems of this world. We live in a fallen world. Genesis 3, sin entered the world and is havoc ever since. And the devil is active trying to take down. is a roaring lion seeking people to devour. Lord God, help us. Help us as a church to be encouraging and help those gathered here today. And I know that there are several, I am sure, dealing with discouragement, dealing with depression. Discouragement as we talked about last week, depression as we talked about today. So Lord God, help us to be supportive. Help us to be the body of Christ, that we love one another. If one suffers, we all suffer, as your word says. If one rejoices, we all rejoice, as your word says. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. As iron sharp is iron, so one sharp is another. Proverbs 27, 17. May we humbly be able to seek help. And may we humbly be willing to give help. And that help might be just let me pray. Let me lift your hands in prayer like the people held up Moses' hands in the battle in the Old Testament. We lift each other up in prayer. We pray for them when they're going through trials and tribulations because that is what the church is called to be, to pray for one another, to support one another, to encourage one another, to build each other up. And oftentimes there's a fear, there's a shame, there's a stigma that we can't reach out for help. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us. Because we all have hurts, habits, and hangups. Maybe they're for a day. Maybe for others, it's more chronic. May we be a church that cares and that shows they care. I pray that you would be with us as we close this service and song. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Okay. Before we go into your grace, enough. I want to thank Colin for filling in for us today. Yes.